I didn't give him time to introduce me because I didn't think I needed it there. <clears throat> but it's good to be here. I, I know your bulletin says that John Boyd is preaching, but he's under the weather. And I asked Alan, and he was under the weather, so you're back up again. Just kidding. Um, you guys are a tough bunch. What, what happened to this, all this group right here? Does John Mark not make you guys come up a little closer? I don't know. We won't make you do it today. Uh, it's good to be with you guys. Uh, I uh, was going to come toward Columbia yesterday. I live about two hours and 40 minutes from the church, but I picked my wife and daughter up. They'd been in Rhode Island for a couple of weeks from some health stuff for my daughter. And uh, so I didn't get to leave because I would have been here so late last night. So I'm like, well, I'll just leave in the morning. So I had a good drive down this morning and pretty awake. Uh, but I am, I have hay fever. So if I <clears throat> cough some and all that kind of thing, I apologize for, I, I feel like I can only sing bass today. Uh, so you guys know how that is. I, I do want to mention, because uh, three of you uh, already mentioned, are we going to go and do uh, the, the next part of the series I was doing on Jesus and Nicodemus? And um, the last time I was here, I did a lot of review of the previous time I was here and only pushed us forward about three verses, so we didn't go a lot further along. And so I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do something uh, standalone for this time. And uh, because now three of you ask, are we doing it, I'll probably go back and finish it at some point. So uh, if I get asked back, that would be what we'll do. But Habakkuk is where we're going to be today. And we'll be reading all these passages in your bulletin, but we're going to kind of take them as they come in the sermon, so I'm not going to read them all uh, up front. I'm going to introduce a little bit of the sermon, then pray, but uh, it's going to be a little longer introduction, and when I pray, don't think, wow, if that's the introduction, how long are we going to be here? Because it won't be that much longer afterwards. So just to let you know, those things are coming. How many of you guys have ever been in a, a, like a, a talk where it was a chalk talk? Has anybody ever heard of a chalk talk? Anybody? There's a few of you. Um, a chalk talk, or uh, maybe you've been where the presenter is speaking, and there's somebody on the side, kind of not in the, in the limelight, the, the light is on the speaker, but somewhere back there, kind of in the dark, to the side, somebody's painting or drawing or doing something, and you can't really tell what it is. You know, it's just dark enough that you can't quite get it. And sometimes it kind of bothers you because there's movement over there, and you can't really, um, you know, concentrate on the speaker and exactly what's being said, kind of is like a little bit of in conflict, and then at the very end, the light kind of goes off the speaker and on to the piece of art and the artist, and you're like, wow, that's exactly, like that goes together. Everything that he said, now I'm getting it, and I kind of, it kind of comes together. And that's really what happens in the book of Habakkuk. Uh, if you need, like, to look in your front of your book, the minor prophets are always hard to find, and they are for me, too. It's like, oh, well, who comes next? So if you have to look, it's okay. Don't worry about the next book person next to you thinking, oh, he had to look, or she had to look. It's okay, just do it, and get in the, and get in the text. Uh, but that's what's happening in Habakkuk. <clears throat> Habakkuk is uh, concentrating. He loves the Lord. Habakkuk is uh, a follower of the Lord, and uh, what he sees is a lot of stuff going on on the side that seems to be in conflict with uh, what he knows to be true about God. And so what Habakkuk knows to be true about God, he's looking here and like, God, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like you're active there. What's, it's not connecting the, the way I see life going and, and the country going and the people around me going, it's not connecting with who I know you to be. And uh, really, the book of Habakkuk is uh, a story, of, a, a dialogue. It's actually a style of a dialogue of Habakkuk coming to uh, the Father and asking, like, what's going on? And he does that twice. And then in response to the complaints of Habakkuk, uh, God shows him something and kind of the light comes on and Habakkuk worships and says, wow, it, it does fit. It all does connect together. I'm kind of seeing that, and that's what's going on. 
So the background of Habakkuk, and anytime you do a book, you've got to go through the, you know, who wrote it and who they wrote it to and the background. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm like, man, let's just get through that stuff, right? So we can get to the meat and what's going on. But uh, the background's pretty important. That's a big part of Habakkuk. And we really wouldn't understand uh, the whole content without the background. Habakkuk wrote about, he was a prophet of God. We don't know a lot about him. Uh, we do know what his name means. And in the Bible, in Bible days, and early days, names really meant something more than today. Now, I know some of you have a name that means something, and you've named children based on what you, the character you want them to have or, or whatever. Um, but back then, names meant something. And uh, Habakkuk meant uh, to, to grasp, uh, to, to understand, basically not to grasp at something, but to, to embrace something. It meant to embrace or to grasp. And I really think uh, that God named him that because God wanted him to embrace and, and grasp the, the sovereignty of God and the goodness of God and the justice of God. God wanted him to understand the character of his nature so that when Habakkuk saw everything going on in the corner, um, he could see that God was in control of that too, and it all fit, fit together. So what we would pray today is that as we go through what Habakkuk saw to be true of God, and embraced it and lived by it, that you and I would also see what is true about our God um, and embrace him and then live with our eyes on the things that seem to be in conflict, knowing that ultimately they're not in conflict because we have a God who's in control of all those things. So the background is he wrote about 600 years before Jesus. And uh, at the time of his writing and all the minor prophets' writing, uh, really most of the prophets, but particularly the minor prophets, uh, Israel, the nation of Israel, had been split into two different kingdoms. There was the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And the northern kingdom was usually called Israel, all right? It was also called Ephraim, and or Ephraim, however you might pronounce that word. So if you might read in the Bible, oh, Ephraim, that's talking about the northern kingdom. The reason it had that name is because that was the biggest tribe uh, in the north. Now, the southern kingdom was often referred to as Judah. And why would it be called Judah? Because that's the biggest tribe, the largest tribe that, was, that resided in the south. Um, and uh, during those days, it's kind of like we say the city of David. Well, David was the king, so uh, like names would take on or the place would take on the names of the, the, the greatest person or the most people that are in that place. So Judah is the southern kingdom, Israel, or Ephraim is the northern kingdom. And here's what's going gone on. Habakkuk had seen the northern kingdom. Actually, he probably hadn't seen it because it happened about 200 years before him. But he had heard about the northern kingdom. The northern kingdom had all these kings that God put into place, but they were all bad kings, bad king, bad king, bad king. They didn't follow his ways. They followed other gods. They took the, the people and caused them to follow after idols and not the true God and not to worship the true God. And so what happened is the, Babel, or the Assyrians uh, actually uh, took them into captivity. And he saw all that because God uh, was judging his own people. The Bible says let judgment begin with the household of God, with God's people first. And then so Habakkuk is, was living in a time, and he was watching the, uh, the people that he was around in the kingdom of Judah, and he was in a lot of conflict. <clears throat> he was in conflict because Judah had occasionally a good king. It was like bad, bad, good, good, bad, 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 good, bad. And you could Google that and add, like, find the good and bad kings for the southern kingdom. Um, I actually did that on the way down here when I was stopped. No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> 
Um, but you'll find that there was just uh, all bad kings in the north, and so God judged them quickly. But the, uh, in Judah, there were some good kings, but at the time that uh, Habakkuk was, was there and prophesying, it was terrible. Everybody was doing the same thing that the, uh, the nation of Israel had been doing for the years and years before that. And Habakkuk was like a godly man, and he saw all these unrighteous people that's supposed to be godly, uh, God's people, the Israelites, living however they wanted. And it's like, God, why are you letting them get away with everything? It doesn't make any sense. You know, the unrighteous are prospering, and they're eating up the people that are, are righteous in the land, and there doesn't seem to be many that are righteous. It doesn't make sen- sense what's going on and what you're allowing. So that's kind of the background of what's going on when Habakkuk is uh, prophesying. The style of th- this particular book is kind of like Job. It's where Habakkuk is complaining, he's c- conflicted, he's like, I don't understand what's going on, and so he goes and he confronts the Lord about it. And he tells the Lord, I don't, don't get it, I uh, don't get what's going on. And he does that twice. He goes and he confronts the Lord two different times. There's two rounds, if you would, of, uh, of Habakkuk going before the Father and being in conflict and confronts the Lord and say, what are, you, what are you doing and what will you be doing and what are you going to do about this? And then two times God responds and answers and two times um, Habakkuk is uh, transformed by God's response or at least challenged. And one he's challenged and the other one he finally is transformed by God's response. So if you want an outline very quickly, the first chapter uh, you're going to have the first section is going to be uh, Habakkuk's complaint in, con- in confronting the Lord. Uh, the last or the middle part is going to be God's first response. The very end of chapter 1 is uh, Habakkuk going for a second round to, to the Father and saying, I'm still in conflict, I'm confused, and he confronts uh, the, the Father. And then in the first five verses of chapter 2 is God's second response. By the way, there's three chapters. And the last part of chapter 2, there's woes. um, And woes are judgments of God. God gives five judgments against not his people, but the people who are going to be coming after them, the Assyrians. Um, And he gives these woes. So then that's the the last part of chapter 2. And then all of chapter 3 is Habakkuk rejoicing and being transformed and trusting God's promises. So really, the whole book is really about Habakkuk coming with all his problems before the Lord, and he's transformed by the Lord and by the Lord's responses and by what the Lord is doing uh, to trust upon God's promises. And all the last part of chapter 3, or the the whole chapter 3, is just rejoicing, glorying in the Father. So Habakkuk is transformed. So that's kind of uh, the outline that we'll be going through. Um, That gets us to chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. I'm going to read that to get us started in the text itself, and then we'll pray. Habakkuk 1, 1 through 4. The oracle which Habakkuk the prophet saw, How long, O Lord, will I call for help, and you will not hear? I cry out to you violence, and yet you don't save. Why do you make me see iniquity and cause me to look on wickedness? Yes, destruction and violence are before me. Strife exists and contention arises. Therefore, the law is ignored. And justice is never upheld, for the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you as we come before your word. It's a word that you right here have told Habakkuk to write down so that it's not just for the people in his day, but it's for us this day. Father, we thank you that uh, you cause those things that were spoken 
about in the far horizons a long time ago, uh, that they're for us today in our near horizons. They're for us today uh, for application to live and trust you by. Father, I pray that as you transformed Habakkuk by your responses and by unveiling his eyes to see your work, that you would do the same with us as we see that you're at work in our nation, in our lives, in our circumstances, in our poverty, in our rejoicing, in our joys, in our pains, that we'll be led to trust in our God and rejoice all the more in him. We ask these things in Christ's name, amen. So here's what's going on. We, we've talked about it a little bit. Habakkuk is seeing his, God's people in the south doing whatever they want to do, and God's letting them get away with it. And it, it says in the first uh, four verses, it's like, um, Lord, I, I call out for help, and you, you don't help. I, I, you know, you're not around. You make me see the iniquities of these people and the wickedness of these people and the destruction of all the people around me. Um, and, and then it says that the, the people who do justly and righteously, I see people that are not righteous, like doing better than them and coming down and giving them a hard time. I don't get it, Lord. It seems like the justice is perverted and I know you, and I wouldn't think that to be the case, but it seems that way. It doesn't make any sense. You know, God, are you going to let them get away with that? You know, that, that kind of speaks into a lot of people in our day um, that, you know, God, God's not really active. He's not going to get me for doing evil or bless me for doing good. I'll just live my life, and he's kind of disconnected. That's kind of what Habakkuk is saying. God, are you really connected to the situation, to life? It looks like the, you can do whatever you want, and we can, you know, be happy and get away with it. Or uh, maybe there's those of you who have served the Lord and been faithful in his word and followed him all your days and you don't feel like uh, you have it as good as other people that don't do that at all. That's kind of what was going on with Habakkuk. And so he goes and he complains before the Lord and he confronts the Lord with it. One thing we need to learn in that is when we have troubles and can't put things together, who do we we run to? We, We run to the Lord, run to Jesus and say, I don't get this. I don't understand. Um, yes, he knows that you don't understand, but he wants you to run to him and ask and, and share and be honest and transparent in what's going on. So um, it doesn't seem like it's, it's, uh, it, it makes any sense. A couple of verses that go along with this, Jeremiah 12, uh, 1 through 2. Oh, yeah, good. Look at that. Man, you guys are too good getting all this stuff up there. Uh, Jeremiah 12, 1 through 2 says this, Righteous are you, O Lord. That, that I would plead my case with you. Indeed, I would discuss matters of justice with you. Why has the way of the wicked prospered? Why are all those who deal treacherously at ease? Why have you planted them? They've taken root also. They grow and they even produce fruit. You are near their lips, but their heart is uh, but far from their mind. And Habakkuk is saying the same thing. It's like, you know, Lord, there's these people, with their lips they praise you, but I know them. I work with them on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays. You know, I, I, I see them on Sundays and they're close. You're, you're on their lips, but I also see them all the other days of the week and you're not near to their hearts. And yet they prosper. And uh, we're in conflict. Why is that God? You know, why is that going on over on the corner of the room when I think I know that God is for those who are obedient and righteous and good and holy. Uh, uh, Ecclesiastes 8.14. There is futility which is done on the earth. That is, and here's the futility, there are righteous men to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked. On the other hand, there are evil men to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. 
I say that this too is futility. And so uh, the, the wisest man who lived here didn't always live wisely, but Solomon he said, I'm looking at this, and I, will, I look at these people who live uh, ungodly and unrighteous lives, and yet they get what seems to be uh, what the righteous should get. And I look at the righteous people and the ones that are walking holy, and they're serving you and uh, growing in Christ, and yet they seem to be getting what I think and what, by knowing you, God, and your character, they're getting what the ungodly should be getting, and it doesn't make any sense. It's, it's futility. What's futility? Well, this, what he says is like, uh, it seems to be futile to come to church, to read the Bible, to pray, to walk in his ways, to try to know the Lord. It seems to be futile because my life stinks, right? And especially when I look at the contrast and the people who don't do all those things and their life seems to be at ease, comfortable. They seem to have things. So that's, that's Habakkuk coming before the Lord and complaining and con- confronting and asking the Lord, I don't get it. Here's, here's the Lord's answer, verses 5 through 10. says this, Look among the nations. So this is God the Father talking to Habakkuk. Hey, Habakkuk, look among the nations. Observe, be astonished, wonder, because I am doing something in your days. You would not believe it if you were told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that fierce and impetuous people who march throughout the earth to seize dwelling places that are not theirs. They are dreaded and feared. Their justice and authority originate with themselves. That means that they don't have the authority to do that. They just are all selfish and going after all the other nations and plundering them. Uh, their horses are swifter than, than leopards and keener than wolves in the evening. Their horsemen come galloping Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swooping down to devour. All of them come for violence. Their horde of faces moves forward. They collect captives like sand. They mock at kings and rulers are a laughing matter to them. They laugh at every fortress and heap up rubble to capture it. So God's saying they're not going to get, Judah's not going to get away with it. I'm going to bring this nation, the Chaldeans, by the way, that's the Assyrians, I'm going to bring this nation, these people, and they're going to, they're going to come down and they're going to swoop up on uh, Judah. No, Judah's not going to get away with it. It just seems at the moment that they are, Habakkuk. But uh, they're going to be judged too, just like the northern kingdom. No, it's not happening right now, but it's going to happen and it's going to be swift and it's going to be great destruction. Matter of fact, they're going to be taken captive. We know that. But Habakkuk doesn't see that, but the Lord shows that this is going to happen. And you would think that Habakkuk is like, yes, good God, thank, thank you, Lord. I'm like, I knew that you were just and that you wouldn't let your people just do their own thing and walk their own ways and, and serve other gods and get away with it. But that's not Habakkuk's response. Habakkuk's response is, oh, whoa, God, like uh, now I'm more confused. You mean that you're going to take somebody uh, that's more wicked and more wretched and more ungodly, and has never served you, who are not your people, to come and judge your people, I'm really confused. So Habakkuk thinks, I know that these people need to be, you know, warned and judged. Uh, they, they need to turn. But God, surely you're not going to use a worse people to do that. And then he's really confused. So uh, that was God's initial response. Um, and Habakkuk would say, we're pretty bad. 
You know, we're so bad that I didn't understand why you're letting us get away with it, but they're worse. And I think one thing we can learn in this is that any sin, no matter how small, just a little bit of unselfishness, I mean selfishness, just a little bit of your selfishness separates you from the holy God. Matter of fact, the greatest rebuke that Jesus told his disciples was to Peter. And he looked at Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. Like, ooh. But then we really understand a little bit about what was happening in the next phrase. He said, because you have your interests in mind and not my kingdom's interest. And I wonder how often in a day that we have our interests in mind and not his kingdom's interest. And that seemingly small, maybe, sin because Peter was trying to, like, say, Jesus, you don't need to go through the cross. You know, he was trying to help Jesus. And yet, even our smallest sin of selfishness and not having our eyes and our thoughts and our minds and our, our labors for his kingdom but our own uh, separate us from our God. Um, and, and Habakkuk is, uh, doesn't understand that all sins do that. So he thinks we're bad, but they're worse. And so uh, he goes to complaint number two. Let me read, uh, well, let me read first verses 12 through 13 of chapter 1. This is still the response of, of Habakkuk to the response of God. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, the Holy One? We will not die. You, O Lord, have appointed them to judge, and you, O Rock, have established them to correct. Your eyes are too pure to approve evil, and you cannot look on wickedness with favor. Why do you look with favor on those who deal treacherously? Why are you silent when the wicked swallow up those more righteous than they? So Habakkuk is wondering two things. Why do you let your people get away with unrighteousness? But now he's really wondering, like, are you going to let the Chaldeans that are worse than us get away with unrighteousness? That's even worse. And then God kind of starts answering, and he uh, answers that, his second complaint in verses 2 through 5 of chapter 2. So let's read, uh, or 2 through 4. He says this, Then the Lord answered me, and he said, Record the vision, inscribe it on tablets, that the one who reads it may run. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens toward the goal, it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will certainly come. It will not delay. Behold, for the proud one, his soul is not right within him. Um, and... Let's see, there we go. But the righteous will live by his faith. Have you guys ever heard the righteous will live by his faith? How many have heard that? It's an it, Old Testament verse that's repeated three times in the New Testament. And um, what we're going to do, just to let you know, uh, all that we're going through right now, and we're going to kind of summarize big time in chapter 2, we're going to go through just five or six major takeaways. And as we do that, we'll hit more about this verse uh, because I think this is the main verse in, in the whole passage, 2-4. The just shall live by faith. But what God's saying is like, uh, Habakkuk, my people are not going to get away with it. And guess what? The Chaldeans are not going to get away with it either. I'm going to judge my people, but I'm also going to judge the pagan people that came and were used to judge my people. They're going to get it too, and I'm not going to tarry. And Habakkuk, you might not see it right now, but it's going to happen and it's going to happen pretty soon, um, so trust in it. That's what he's telling Habakkuk. You might not see it, but I'm going to work that way. Uh, then in verse 8, it says, Because you have looted many nations. And, and here, 
uh, God is talking, he's about to go through five woes to the, to the Chaldeans. And he's talking to these Chaldeans, the wicked and impetuous people. So uh, he's talking to the Chaldeans saying, you're not going to get away with it. Yes, I'm going to use you to judge my people, but you're going to be judged for turning away from me and serving other gods as well. And he says, because you have looted many nations, all the remainder of the peoples will loot you. Because of human bloodshed and violence done to the land, to the town and all its inhabitants. Um, and, and so God's saying to the Chaldeans, you've been looting all these nations and you've been killing their, their children and their, and their mothers. Uh, you've been doing all this and uh, I, I know, I, there's two other prophets that really even say stronger words to the Assyrian people. Nahum is the main one. Uh, but God's saying, you're going to suffer. All, the, all that's been looted, you've looted and destroyed other nations. You're going to be looted and you're going to be destroyed eventually. And uh, now we need to know that Habakkuk is hearing this because he's writing it down and God's recorded it and said, I want you to record this so that my people, even to today in Orangeburg, can hear this message because it's for them. So there's five woes and we're not going to talk about each one of the woes. It would be, that's when we would need to do a series on Habakkuk to do it. So uh, that kind of moves us to uh, chapter three. Chapter three is uh, when Habakkuk has taken all this in and started pondering in his heart what God's going to do and that he is in control, uh, and he's doing something in his day. He starts understanding, and then he starts rejoicing and all that. So here's, here's about three or four things to take away and ponder. We'll kind of go back through some of them. Uh, the first one is in chapter 1, verse 2. How many of you have ever said, how long? How long, Lord, am I going to cry out for help? How long am I going to cry for a new job or you know, better financial situations, or for a spouse, or for my spouse? How long am I going to cry out because I've been sick and, you know, I need relief? How long am I going to cry out for, on behalf of somebody else who's been sick and gone through trial after trial after trial? How long am I going to cry out to you and you don't seem to answer? You know, how long, oh Lord, are you going to let the people that I know that are not living according to you just do well, and the people that seem to be the most godly that I know, seem not to be doing well. How long am I going to do that, Lord, and you're not going to respond, and you're not going to answer? How long are you going to keep me in these circumstances? Or, you know, maybe you're in good circumstances, and, and you say, well, but Lord, how long am I going to cry out to you, longing for, you know, something better and something more and something that I don't have? So you might be crying out to the Lord, would you deliver me from something, or would you give me something, but he's not working, or it doesn't seem to be working. Um, have any of you guys ever done that? How many of you have cried out to the Lord, Lord, why do I look at my nation and the nation, America, just seems like they're not following the things of the Lord. It seems like in, you know, 20, 30 years, who knows what it's going to be like. Are you working? And then we have verse 5, and he says to, to Habakkuk, and he says to you and me through Habakkuk, he says, look, observe, open your eyes. But then he says, even if you do, you might not see it right away because he says that I'm, I'm doing things that if I told you, you wouldn't even believe. So God can say, and he says to you through the scriptures, is God is not just working to get you through the bad circumstances. He's working in you in the bad circumstances to craft you and to, and to bring about his good in that. He, he's doing things that you wouldn't believe that he's doing right in the circumstances that you find yourself in. God's at work. And it's good news, and, you know, we ask how long, and God providentially, right here, he says not long, but he does more than that. He doesn't just say, you don't have to wait long. He said, guess what, I'm working right now. 
I'm working right now, today. When you don't really see what's going on, it's like, I'm at work in your day. He told Habakkuk, and he tells you and me that he's at work, you know, in our day. Let me open your eyes and see that I'm comforting you. I'm drawing you. You know, maybe uh, you would never learn to trust upon him or pray to him for, and, and depend on him. Because if, if you had everything your soul wanted, you might think, why do I need Jesus? And that's one of the worst things that could ever happen. We need to know that we're dependent day after day. I need you every hour so our circumstances, even the most difficult ones, are not being used by God just to try to get us through, but he's crafting and he's producing something in those circumstances, and he's at work doing that. And that's, he's, he's opening Habakkuk's eyes and he's opening your eyes and my eyes to see that God is at work in those things. He's at work not just in the future, not just sometime soon. He's at work today, and he's going to be working in the future. Okay, that gives us to, to chapter 2, verse 4. It says that the righteous man shall live by faith. In 1510, there was a, a reformer that, was, uh, that, that went with a group of his monks to uh, a set of stairs. And that reformer was named Martin Luther. Good. You needed a little hint. That's okay. And uh, on that day, I don't have the date memorized, but in 1510... Uh, each of the monks went up one stair at a time on their knees, and then they would pray to the Lord, and they would go all the way up. When, when Martin Luther reached the top stair, he's like, how in the world do I know that God is pleased with me because I've done this? How do I know? How could this please God? Just walking up the stairs, uh, you know, one at a time on my knees and saying, you know, Lord, forgive me or whatever. And five years later, uh, in 1515, um, Martin Luther was reading Romans. And he read Romans um, 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 4, and he read, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 1, uh, that's the 2-4 is in, in uh, here, but he read 117, is it 117? I might have it. It is, there we go. Uh, I'm going to turn around because I don't have it in my notes. <clears throat> it says, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous man shall live by faith. And at that moment, uh, in that evening, Martin Luther understood that God doesn't accept me and love me and, and all because I've walked up the stairs on my knees. God accepts me because I have faith in Jesus. I have faith in him. Uh, it's not any other reason. There's nothing in my hands I can bring. It's, it's only having faith in another, uh, the one that has lived perfectly for me on my behalf. And, and so the righteous man shall live by faith. What does it mean to live by faith? First thing is this. Your greatest problem and my greatest problem and the greatest problem of the whole world is that our sin separates us from our, our God. And to walk by faith, first of all, and uh, foundationally means that we don't try to bridge that gap between us and our God with our own works because we never can. It means that we bridge that gap by having faith that Jesus Christ came and took my sin and, and he lived the life that I should have lived perfectly, and, he, and, and Jesus, because of that, takes care of that gap. The first thing it means to live by faith is that we live based on the work of Christ uh, and not trying to earn it ourselves. Second thing it means is this. You might have come to the, the God that way and, and trust that way, but now you're trying to walk, you know, your own way, and you look at circumstances on your own, and you're not saying that God is behind that. Have faith in him uh, because he's faithful. 
Uh, so the, the second thing is we continue walking through life based on God's faithfulness, and that's what Habakkuk is being shown. It's like Habakkuk, I want you to walk faithfully because I'm a faithful God. Um, and then uh, the, all the woes, this is chapter 2, verses 6 through 20. We're not going to go through all of them. You've got to read them on your own. But one takeaway from, from this is he's saying, Habakkuk, trust me. I'm going to take care of all your enemies. And you don't have to worry about taking care of all the enemies. I'm going to do it. In Romans, uh, it, it says that vengeance is mine, says the Lord. What does that mean for you and me? That means we don't have to go after those who've come after us. That means that God has freed you and me up not to go after our enemies and not to take our own revenge. It frees us up to, to, to evangelize them. It frees you and me up to, to, to not um, you know, go after evil with evil, but go after evil and conquer it with good. It, it, it frees you and me up to pray for those who persecute us and say, Lord, would you take the consequences of their sin on yourself? because they can't handle the consequences on your, uh, of their own sin because it would crush them. And by the way, you took the consequences of my sin so it doesn't crush me. Would you do that for my enemies? You know, there's a time you had to pray for a revenge of God on your enemies, but there's uh, more often we need to understand that God taking the revenge frees you and me up to pray for their salvation and their redemption. It frees us up to live for him and not to live to get our own revenge. In chapter 2, verse 14... And I don't think I have this on there. I do have it on there. Uh, it says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. And what's interesting is a lot of people stay away from the minor prophets because they think it's just doom and gloom. But then it has verses that are amazing. And, and this is a verse that says there's light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, the whole earth is going to be covered with, with the knowledge of the Lord and the glory of the Lord. Oh, and and he's, he's telling Habakkuk, I know you struggle with seeing what's going on in your nation, your world, your life, your neighbor's life, your friend's life, your family's life, but you can trust me that one day all, all the wrongs will be righted. And, and he says more than you can trust me. It's like you can live based on that trust right now to Habakkuk, and he says that to you and to me. Um, chapter 2, verse 20, it's not on there, or is it again? Nope. Oh, I could be looking that way. Oh, why didn't you guys tell me? All you people who sing up here, you should say, just look up that way. Then it wouldn't be so awkward. <clears throat> now all you guys can turn back around, and, but it's okay. Um, but it's, it says the, the, the God is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. I think that means several things. That means that God is holy, and we need to be in awe of that holiness and his perfection. But I think it also means this, that we can be still in our conflict. We can be still in our circumstances. We can be still when everything on the corner of the room seems to be like, what's going on? What are you doing, God? We can be still and know that what? He's God, and he's in control, and he's taking care of those things, and he will, and he's doing it, and he's at work even today. He's not waiting to work. He's already at work, and we might not be seeing it. That's what he's saying. Chapter 3, verse 17 through 19. Let me read it for us. Habakkuk had seen a lot of evil, and uh, God says, there's going to be persecution for my church, there's going to be judgment for my church, and it's going to get worse. The things that you see are going to get worse before they get better. And uh, you would think that Habakkuk was already struggling, so when God says they're going to get worse first, Habakkuk, he should just be like devastated, but no, at this point, he's been transformed to know the goodness of the Lord. 
The Lord has already had the lights come on in the corner of the room, and he's, get, he's, got, he's given Habakkuk a glimpse of what's coming, and he says this, uh, Habakkuk says this, Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines, uh, though the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord has made my feet like hinds feet and makes me walk on my high places. So Habakkuk had been transformed. He's saying, hey, I, I might not just see the evil here. I might see that you get all the way to the point that there is no food and there are no cattle. And you guys might not have cows, but back then you had to have cows, right? I mean, it was like important. And Habakkuk had been transformed to the place, like, even if things get worse, all the way to not even being able to eat, if I, I can exalt and praise my Lord, my God, because I know you got it together and you're good. And you're at work. And you're at work even in the greatest things that are tragic. And you're going to make my feet like hinds feet. And you're like, what is that? What the, 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 the best illustration I have is I went to Alaska a number of years ago, and my father-in-law was building a, a cabin there. He lives there half the year or five months out of the year working with an aviation ministry. And um, we, I was flying with this older gentleman. He's got the most flying hours in the state of Alaska. And if you know Alaska, there's planes everywhere. He's, he was 86 when I was flying with him. And he was amazing. So uh, there was a moose on the ground. And he said, let's go uh, get that moose and wake him up. And he took that plane and we went right down to that moose. And that moose jumped up and started running. It was pretty funny. Um, my animal activist, I'm sorry, but that's okay. We didn't shoot the moose or anything. But um, so then we went, and he said, I'm going to take you up to the glaciers. It was about a 20-minute flight, and I want to show you a family of mountain goats. And he said, they're there all the time. And so we flew up there, and I was like, wow. And I, I was thinking, and I told him kind of jokingly, I said, let's don't buzz the mountain goats because they're going to fall off. Like, let's don't do that. Uh, but it was amazing. I mean, it, I don't think that the, the cliff was backwards like that, but it seemed like it. It was like almost, and those goats were standing I don't know how they were standing on stuff. I mean, like, how are, they, how are they not falling? And it's not just that they're not falling. You know, when we're by there, they're just kind of watching and they're hearing the noise, so they're not walking. But I can imagine, how do the ones that are down here get up to the ones that are up here? How do they do that? And I don't get that. That's what hinds feet are. It, it, what, what God has taught Habakkuk, it's like you can go into the most difficult of circumstances and times and the darkest of things and know that I'm still with you and I'm working. That's what he's telling them. And you can stand on me. You can stand in Christ. That's what he's saying. Yet, yet though all these things happen, I will exalt in the Lord. So, three things. We're still good. Um, you get out at one o'clock, right? Uh, the first thing we, know is we need to understand is when you guys wonder, like, where are you, Lord? How long do I have to wait? Where do you run? And do, you, do you run to, to, to the Lord or you just grieve? Where's your hope? Where's your confidence? Um, if the righteous man walks by faith, if, if there's any here that don't have faith in Christ and not standing on Christ and you're trying to stand on your own, trying to make sense of what's in the corner of the room with your own eyesight, it's never going to work. You're never going to be right with God. You're never going to understand the world at all. Um, the first thing for you is... Uh, if you're going to be righteous and right with God, is what that means. You got to turn to Him. Uh, the, the second one, maybe you've already done that, and most of you probably have. But um, where do you?
Where do, you, where do you go now when you say, oh, Lord, how long? Do you run back to that same God? Do you run to that rock uh, that you ran to before? Um, we can trust that the Lord is at work, not just will be. He is, and is at work in our day, at this moment, and every moment, working all things for his good and our good and for his glory, even through the greatest circumstances and um, the last thing is this, will you be transformed like, like Habakkuk? All the way to where you can say, I rejoice in the Lord, I exalt in him, and I exalt in him when there's no food in my pantry. <laughs> you know, all my, all, some of you guys have some good um, you know, gardens. When there's nothing in your garden, the problem is you just go to Publix, but I'm saying there's no food there either, you know? Can, are, are, were you able to rejoice in the Lord and I exalt in the God of my salvation because I know he's working? Um, that's what, that's how Habakkuk was transformed. And may we be transformed by his word the same way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that you called Habakkuk to see it, to observe it. It was a visual um, story and a visual thing for him. Um, and Father, we thank you that you told him to write it down so that we could know it, so that we could hear it, so that we could be transformed by the same thing that was transforming to Habakkuk. And that's not anything that Habakkuk did, but it was um, having his eyes open to see the goodness of God and that you're at work. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes and through the most difficult and dark days, uh, we thank you that we can go into those and we can stand like we have hind's feet because we know our God and we know your character and we know that you're at work even in our day. We thank you for those things. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Um, let's stand together.